everyone, and welcome to another episode of MBCHS Over Coffee. And across the table from me for this episode is Miss Carla Bernier. Welcome, Carla. Hi, everybody. Man, this is uh, this is awesome. Again, you're another another uh, coworker who's been on the radar for a little while to be on the, the podcast, and you were always a big fan and supporter right off mm-hmm. the get going. I really appreciate that. Um, usually, I start off with the first time that I met. Uh, I guess on the podcast and I think the first time it comes to mind anyway was probably related to admin council when I was principal at Heritage and you were at Connaught I believe yeah. and we even did like a board presentation thing together. yeah I think even before that Jeremy I think um the summer before we got our appointments we met each other at principal short course okay yep. at the, at the <laughs> travel launch yeah. that was I really enjoyed that me actually. too yeah. I can't say enough good things about yeah, it yeah I, uh, I went in wondering how in the world uh, am I going to pull off being a principal <laughs> at a small school? And I left being like, okay, I yeah. think I could like, <laughs> I could kind of do this, maybe. Um, so that was good. I really enjoyed that. Okay, tell us uh, about uh, your career so far, just at NBCHS. How long have you been at NBCHS? This for? is year eight. Year eight. Yeah. Okay, and year you came eight. in right as the VP. Right, right as the VP. Yeah. And you came from Kanata. I came from Kanata. I had done. Three years of vice principal at Connaught and seven years of teaching there, grade okay. five, six, seven, and eight, and then I did actually pre-K to grade seven uh, treaty education. Okay, awesome. And was Connaught your first gig in the Battleford? Yeah, I had a, sh- a short gig in um, Mooseman and then did a ton of subbing around the community, both school divisions and our surrounding First Nations. Okay, excellent. And Mooseman was your first job out of university? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, you, maybe before we get uh, too far back, let's maybe go back and start from the beginning because I know you have just a really inspiring story, to be honest. Yeah. And maybe we'll go back to that and we'll work our way forward up to um, university and, and sure. starting at yeah. Mooseman. So um, tell us where you're born and raised what was family like yeah so born and raised in red deer alberta until probably grade three um my parents were 16 when they had me uh they got married a few short months after that and um lived the most of my the majority of that time there with um off and on between grandparents and uh, my mom and dad they were a little bit off and on so um, and then in grade three, moved to uh, the Battlefords. Uh, that's got a little bit of a story in itself too. Um, at that time, uh, my mom wasn't doing very well and neither was my dad. They were separated at the time and an incident happened with my mom and she came home one night. We were with a babysitter and it was in the wee hours and kind of told us to pack a bag and we drove to the Battlefords in the middle of the night and that's how I moved, I moved here. Wow. Yeah. So- what did that, I guess, feel like for you, even in grade three? What were some of the Well, I think up until that point, life had already been quite chaotic. Um, you know, uh, my parents and themselves have a really great story to tell because they were so young and they both had quit school in grade eight. Um, my mom had lots of trouble with the law when she was younger. Um, there was uh, domestic violence and drug and alcohol abuse with both of them. And um, so life for us was a little bit scary most nights. Um, it was, you just never knew what, what was going to happen. There was some infidelity and such. So when that happened, I guess it was just another chaotic night, another scary night. Um, I think 
I'm the oldest of my sisters and I, so I just, I remember thinking that we were going to my grandparents though. And I just remember thinking that my grandparents, my mom's parents were just really safe people and that we were going to be okay when we got there. And that's actually who we lived with for the first few months when we moved, when we moved to the Battlefords. Okay. And you, uh, came in, in grade three, you said, and so what was home and family like for you now being a bit established in the Battlefords and where, um, what was your, where did you go to school in the Battlefords? Yeah. So when we first moved here, I went to, uh, St. Mary's and, um, that was quite a change for me from the school I went to in, um, in Red Deer. So I went to St. Mary's for a year, and then I went to Battleford Central for a year. I went to St. Joe's for a year. I went to St. Thomas in Saskatoon for a year. I went to Holy Family for a year, and then I got to uh, John Paul. I think all in all, I've gone through 13 different education institutions. Wow. Yeah, so tra very transient life. Like when I talk about um, having that empathy towards students and such, I had that lifestyle where you were showing up mid-year, um, didn't know anyone. I was naturally a shy student, so that was really hard for me to go into the classrooms. And I was also one of those people that just with the lifestyle of my parents, we were often late in the morning, and so I get it. I, I understand what that feels like to go to school late in the year and then go into a classroom late. Yeah, so in and amongst that, that story, um, was what was the thinking or when did it come to mind that um, you know what I want to graduate and pursue something outside of high school yeah. go to university what was those thoughts I remember it early on I actually remember sleeping on the top bunk when I was in the first and second and third grade and something there'd be fighting happening or something was happening and I just always remember kind of hunkering down and just knowing that I was just going to have just a much better life. So I always, always knew that I was going to do something with my life. So I think even anything I set my mind to as soon as I got over the shyness, I always did everything really well. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's good. You're carrying that on now. Even um, JP was where you went to high school. Yep. Excellent. And what was high school experience for you like? And, and was there... What were your, and what and when were your thoughts of what next for me outside yeah, of high Yeah, for sure. So yeah, went to John Paul and gave everybody there a run for their money. I'm sure Mr. Thompson and Mrs. Coburn remember me, well, not fondly, but thank God for George Thompson because he literally went to bat for me and my sisters. I remember a few years ago, quite a few years ago, uh, one of my past teachers from there had asked if I was going to come and work at John Paul. And I said, oh, really? Like, I, I didn't think you guys would want me to because I was so bad. And they said, oh, Carla, you were bad, but then your two sisters came through <laughs> and kind of helped you out there. So I was your typical teenager, had a chip on my shoulder. I There was times where I was disrespectful and defiant and skipping school, like suspensions weren't an unknown thing to me. But I always just kept to that line of, of whether I was going to be out or in, but I always knew I was always going to be in. I could talk a good game too to redeem myself. And thank God my mom at that time, she was, she knew that her three girls had to graduate high school to have a better life. So she was a, a really good support in that, so. Yeah, and I suppose having that, that in the back of your mind that you, you did aspire to yeah. something better, yeah. even from a young age, like you said, it probably yeah. it, it does kind of rein you in, um, even, just thinking in my own life too, like just yeah. knowing 
I know what I want deep down, and it does kind yeah. of. Yeah, uh, but I'm a tough cookie at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So what were the initial thoughts about uh, after graduation, what you were going to do? Yeah, so um, my mom had this thing in her mind that I always wanted to be a lawyer. Like right since I, I feel, since I knew that you did something later on in life, I wanted to be a lawyer. And my mom had wanted us girls, I don't know how she got her, this in her head, but it's such a smart thing. She wanted us all to go to school for a year, probably a tech school, to get something that we could always fall back on if university wasn't our thing. So for myself, I went to Kelsey and I got my rehabilitation worker certificate. And then from there, my mom actually applied to SunTEP on my behalf. It's the Saskatchewan Urban Native Teaching Education Program. And I got in and she just kind of said, that's what you're going to do. <laughs> and my mom, if you ever meet my mom, you just listen to what she says. Like, yeah. And uh, and so I started at SunTEP and, you know, I kind of found my groove and stuff. Still not sure if teaching was my thing, uh, but came out and I knew the students that I wanted. Like even as a lawyer, I knew the people I wanted to work with. So coming out of SunTEP, I knew that I either wanted to work on um, one of the First Nations or an inner city school, community school, so came out and started doing lots of subbing and such. And then my real, real job where um, a couple years into there that I knew that I was doing what I should be doing was when I was at Connaught. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Do you know what your mom's thinking was when she just applied to Sunset? No, I think... No, I think uh, money probably was a big thing. Um, in SunTEP, they help you with your tuition, nothing else. I was student loan bound for <laughs> a dozen years or so. Yeah. Um, probably money and just it was a not a quick easy, but you know, it's tangible. It's right there. Here's a program for you. It's for Indigenous students. Let's get you in this kind of thing. Sure. And then I think too with education, as we've talked about, there's just so many things you can do with an ed degree. You yeah. It doesn't always mean the classroom or a school. It, it's a real good, it's a very good platform for something else. So, for sure, yeah. yeah. Even within education, you can always find room for your personal passion. Oh, Even yeah, to share that sure. with the students in some way or extracurricular. It's yeah. just like, it's pretty wonderful that yeah. way, how, how it works. Um, that's excellent. And obviously that demographic that you wanted to work with either as a lawyer or uh, a teacher it seems like heavily influenced by just your journey uh, yep. from when you were younger. Yeah, for sure. Knowing that you wanted something better for yourself. And for sure. And the people around me. And, and I have a, a very big family in the community, as most Indigenous people do. Mm -hmm. And I just have to look around and see what still those effects of um, colonization and residential schools it, it's still affecting our youth and the people around us. So any part that I can play in supporting and all of that stuff, that's that's my passion area for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess what was your journey like too through um, school and graduation, university and becoming a teacher? Um, where was that kind of reconciliation story with you? Where were you at with that story? Yeah, your so, own journey? yeah, reconciliation, I think, is still a farther journey. Like, it hasn't been since, like, probably the last five years that we've really been understanding reconciliation. But um, I came from a very Anglo white um, side of the family on my dad's side, who I'm very close with. Um, they're, they're amazing. And then um, a fully Indigenous side, like, status Indigenous people on my mom's side. And there wasn't a really good melding of the two, and there wasn't even maybe 
good relationship between the two or understanding. And it wasn't until I went into some uh, into Suntep and they really immerse you in in the in the culture and in the traditional ways of knowing and all of those things that I started to understand. Then I had an opportunity to go to uh, Winnipeg and fully um, research my family history and such on my Indigenous side. And it just it was it's who I was. I've always been a proud Indigenous person from the get-go. I think I was very confident in that. Um, once I got to university though it just really allowed me to explore it more become more proud in it um, and I think us younger generation my cousins and myself we've really allowed our parents now to really embrace it and become proud of it as sure. well now kind of open a bit of a door for sure door for, for sure and so in, in indigenous culture wasn't necessarily part of your journey when you were growing up mm -mm. Like no it wasn't and uh, my grandpa and he spoke to us often about this he, uh, just the way he was raised and um, the family that he had to live with here uh, wasn't very proud of it either and so he took on a lot of racism in the community and within his family and so he sort of grew up a little bit embarrassed about it and I remember having a conversation with him one time actually my cousin had a tattoo on his arm that said Indian mm -hmm. and my grandpa was so upset because he said you don't think that people already look at you and think that we don't mm -hmm. want to like advocate sure. that and I just remember feeling really sad about that yeah. so that's how my my mom and her sisters and brothers would have probably been raised yeah. whereas now we've got drummers and singers and dancers and we smudge and and we go to ceremony and we go to like all of those things powwow and we really yeah. we're just really proud of who we are and yeah. so yeah yeah for sure and i the phrase for me that comes to mind is just personally that that privilege of avoidance i think that came yeah. out of a pd that we did yeah that, that phrase privilege of avoidance i've just i've had the privilege to you know not be able not have to worry about um the color of my skin or my yeah. race or what people will think of me just by looking at me necessarily um, from that racial standpoint and yeah it's just uh, obviously heartbreaking and, and mind-boggling and, and everything else to just be able to to see from the perspective yeah. of those who have had to experience that it's just like well and I understand my privilege I do have the white skin and so my sister Jen and myself have white skin and obviously Alexis has the brown skin my youngest sister mm -hmm. and even watching our journey has been much different my mom always told us that Jenny and I would have a different journey than Alexis and it's it's totally true like um, you don't know until you know and when you see it it's it's blatant and it's clear and yeah. and it's it's something else yeah so Alexis is your sister yeah okay and I'm just bringing this together oh really yes yeah. um, this year I have um, so one of the things and I've never told this to you and some other staff members might smile when I say it because um, we can always I can always tell by your footsteps that it's you <laughs> when they have the heels and they're clicking against the hallway and this year, there's been probably three or four times where I've been wrong. <laughs> oh, it's Alexis. And just now, it's just like, it's all making sense why. Yeah, I, if you see my mom walk, Alexis yeah. walk, and myself walk, we are exactly the same. We sound the same. And it's funny because my sister Jenny and I have always been uh, mistaken for twins. We're 10 and a half months apart. Okay. And it's this year where someone will have just spoke to Alexis at school. Yeah. And see me ten minutes later, and think that they're talking yeah. to Alexis again, and yeah, yeah it's it's different. Wow, yeah. this is all coming together. Yeah, for me. that's great. Okay, so um, graduate from SunTap, and uh, 
first uh, role as a teacher was Musiman, you said? Yeah. Okay. Just a small stint there and then uh, left there actually for the position at Knott. Okay. And I remember interviewing for that position and it was with um, Anne-Marie Merle and Amy Williams and in the old Mushroom Building. And I remember afterwards they said, well, you know, Carla, you have the job, but um, we'll give you three days to think about it. And I said, well, I don't need to think about it. And they were like, well, you know, most people take three days. And and I was like, I don't need three days. Like, this is perfect for me. I need, like, cannot back then, or and still is, is a community school, a very rich and diverse place, one of my favorite places in the world. And I knew that I wanted to work there. And I think that really made them happy. And Yeah. yeah, I found my place there. And with the staff and the students and our families there, That's for sure. Awesome. And um, was Jay principal at the time? Or? He was vice principal at the time, okay. yeah. Wow. So, yeah, and then taught for a while. And I naturally was like a teacher leader. So during PLCs and such, I was always into the planning and taking over the meetings yeah. and stuff, as you probably see naturally in our, in our job right now. And um, a master's program was coming up, and it was actually um, Tanya Lehman, the okay. superintendent, who came and talked to me and said, I really think that you should be an administrator. I really want you to take your master's program. And at that time, I hadn't even been thinking about that. But as soon as someone puts the idea in your head, you're like, okay. So I applied and sure enough, I got in and there's just been no looking back. um, Amy Williams moved to Brady at one point and Jay got the principalship and I applied for the VP after Tanya left and and I got the VP there. So Jay and I were partners for three years there, had worked for 10. And then came over, obviously, to uh, MBCHS. I was there for five years, and then Jay joined me again for the last three years. So Uh, That's that's excellent. (laughs) Yeah, we're Um, a good tandem. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. What uh, avenue did you take in your master's? What was your kind of... I Focus. did um, service learning, okay. so I, I, and I still do. I have a really uh, strong belief that, uh, especially um, at risk or youth that um, may have a path that's not going to be good for them, if they take um, an active role in their community and such, that it will change that trajectory. So, yeah. and I still believe that. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, I, I just sense and I and I feel like I wouldn't be alone there's just that natural leadership from you uh, almost like I couldn't imagine you you know o- not to say only in a teaching role but like yeah. just just to naturally emerge as a leader in some capacity through uh, like you said your time in Connaught uh, and leading some things yeah. being asked. so I think that'd be an easy uh, an easy um, thought process to have if if I was Tanya or someone who just <laughs> tapped me on the shoulder about administration and stuff like that. Yeah, it was good. That's awesome. Okay, um, what did, uh, what, I guess going back to just your journey growing up a little bit, just one question I, I ask every guest is what did 10-year-old Carlo want to be when you grew up? And I think maybe you've already alluded to that a little bit. It was did. that always... So it was always law, but I think more importantly, it was always just um, healthy and safe for sure. Like I yeah. just... Yeah, um, childhood just wasn't that that great. I had lots of great experiences, and I had um, parents and family members who loved me dearly, just not in a healthy, they just weren't healthy. And yeah. so I just always aspired to be something better, yeah. whatever that was. Yeah, sure. but healthy and safe would be probably the two big words. Okay, excellent. Um, what does Carla Bernier know now that first year teacher Carla Bernier didn't know 
Oh, I would say, I, I just, I want to say this to everybody is when you first come out and you get that first gig, just be so open about what, what you need help in or what you don't know. Yeah. And, and because it's there and, and we truly do not expect you to get it that first year. Cause it's, it's a tough gig and it's a big gig and, um, get the support as much as you can around you. Cause yeah, it's. You, it's impossible to know anything, to know everything. So if it's writing that you need help with, if it's the math you need help with, any of that, just be transparent about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, when you feel alone and isolated, that's oh. it's just uh, you don't need to be in that place. No. There's so many people who are willing yeah. to come alongside. Yeah. That's, that's excellent. Um, even looking at administration, how do you feel like your um, approach or perspective or how have you grown when you first started as an administrator to where you are now in your career? Um, for sure. Um, I think definitely confidence. Confidence always um, increases the more years you've been in it. Um, I think once you become confident to not go beyond your moral compass, mm. then it's really easy to have conversations with people if there's just a line you won't cross or you don't feel comfortable with. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest thing for me. I think um in those first few years i was always uh, and continue to be i serve students and i'm an advocate for students and i'm a support for teachers for sure but um sometimes just to make it easier i would make a decision that just allowed the peace to kind of happen and i just am not that's not worth it for me anymore if it if it hurts kids even in the slightest then i side with kids for sure Fair enough. When when people work with you now and obviously have you as a boss and as a vice principal, um, what would you say are some of those core values that you carry with you that you you just want people to experience when they're working with you yeah. or students that are working yeah. with you? you I, I don't want them to be surprised. I want them to know exactly what Carla believes in. Um, what she says is actually what you're going to get when you come into the office. Sure. Um, that I'm very supportive, that I'm open to listening. Um, I think the biggest trait for any administrator and actually teaching, teaching if there's something that everyone can always work on, it's becoming a reflective practitioner. Always um, thinking back on the conversations you had, um, what could have been done better, what was really good about them, all of those things. Um, So I think just an open door policy, being reflective, um, kind of walking that talk, like integrity, like making sure that um, so that when someone leaves me, they know my belief in why a decision was made, for sure. sure. Yeah. yeah, I'd say. What, what would you say is the hardest part about being an administrator or your role? Um, the, well, the hardest part is probably dealing with the adults, I would have to say, truthfully. Um, I just really feel like I, 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 I'm an empathetic person, so I get even if it's a bad exchange between myself and a student or myself and a family or guardians, I'm able to kind of fix that. And I am with teachers too, or other adults in the building, but I think that's the hardest thing sometimes is that you want to be so supportive and so there for them that sometimes you feel like you should go beyond what you believe. And and that's a tough thing. Sure. Yeah. The other thing too is, is just the ability to hold different perspectives at the same time yeah. in, in both hands and, and it it's I think a necessary ingredient in a leadership role and administrative yeah. role 
um, but sometimes it's not easy for other people to always hold no. both perspectives and no. so they might misunderstand or not understand why yeah um, you know a leader might be able to when they have uh, it's just hard to do that and so well and I think because we're always jumping for um, a conclusion or an answer so mm-hmm. I think the biggest gift I've ever given myself is that I don't have to answer that right now give me some time to think about it yeah and then the other thing as an organization an entire living sky organization that we've been talking about this year is complex problems need complex solutions and technical um, problems need technical solutions so a technical there is no technical solution for a complex problem so things can't just be fixed sometimes and we have to look at other avenues of what how we deal with that situation yeah for sure Uh, a great quote that I've had for a long time um, by a leadership guy named Andy Stanley was some things are not problems to solve they're tensions to manage mm-hmm. well, I like that one like too same, same idea yeah. it's just like is this a problem to solve or are we just managing this tension yeah. and it, it, it's helped me to have clarity on yeah. some issues as well because yeah. some things just can't be polarized to either end or yeah. solved it, it has to be you have to balance it and, yep for sure and sometimes a thing isn't a thing until it becomes something yeah. and, and that's part of it too so um, have you ever had a time where, uh, as a teacher or an admin, where you've just been like, I don't know, I don't know if, if this, it wasn't a good day, it wasn't this, wasn't that, I'm maybe questioning. Today, uh, last note, just <laughs> <laughs> there has definitely been those days where, um, where uh, not so much quite, like, because I've always, like, and I will continue, unfor- unfortunately, unfortunately, I'm leaving MBCHS in a couple weeks, we know that. And, um, but I'm always going to be there for students. So it was never like I was going to get out of education because I'm a staunch believer in students. And that that's my biggest worry is who's going to be there for them. And obviously someone will be there for them. Um, but there's been days where I'm just like, okay, this is more than, than I can, I can handle or in, even in my thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, when we talk about those core values, I think balance has to be one. Um, and I hope the staff know that because I've had that conversation with them often and and many one-on-one conversations. We work to live. We do not live to work. And if, if, if it can't be done within eight and five within reason with some one-offs then you have to change something because yeah. honestly we work we work to live like we do not live to work yeah absolutely what would you say would be some of your go-to self-care practices or if you're having a really hard day or a uh, situation with parent or staff or adult or whatever or students just is sticking with you and you can't seem to shake yeah. it a little bit what are some of those go-to reading yeah. for sure okay. and and reading for pleasure i read a lot of professional books but no i actually this year uh i used to never read for pleasure in between during the school year yeah. because i'm someone who can just get lost in a book for hours and hours and this year i finally just let myself again um i was dealing with like a tight jaw from clenching and all those things and so this year I've let myself read for pleasure and it's it's been awesome. Yeah, oh, that's excellent. Um, any, uh, any, I guess, stories that come to mind as really noteworthy through your time at NBCHS? Like is there, if you had to reflect back, um, knowing that you're transitioning to another role here, mm-hmm. is there a story or two that comes to mind as, oh, that's a, that's a memory that I'm gonna take with me for, Oh, I think there's uh, I think there's a ton, and I think specifically for um, MBCHS, um, 
that building, the the growth and the progression and the evolution of everything that's been happening in that building has just been amazing. And so um, when you walk in and you see a Gateway to Success as one of our first rooms there, uh, you walk in that mini gym and you see um, the Canadian Saskatchewan Treaty 6 and Métis flag hanging. Yeah. You know, it, it's... it's um, it's it's starting to become a destination for students and for families. We have an open door policy, as you know, in the in the office. Like, there's just been all these amazing changes that that that's what's going to stick with me is just the evolution of that building. And then there's like some tiny funny stories and ones that I can't share on uh, publicly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've had that answer before too. So, oh, it's good, good. Um, if uh, I mean, being that you are transitioning uh, to your your next role, um, it starts end of yeah February twenty seventh will okay. be my first Sounds day. Good. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, can you give us the title again? Is that I'm going to be a program consultant, and the portfolio I'll hold will be Indigenous Education with the Ministry of Education. Oh, that's awesome. And so, yeah. do you know what is the general framework of that role? Uh, well. I think it'll be a role I'll grow into, but I know right off the bat um, there's two programs or initiatives that I'll work closely with, and that's following their voices and leading to learn, both initiatives I'm quite involved in already. So it'll be just a nice progression into those and kind of what is the future for those programs look like and how do we um, still invest so that they're business as usual in our schools and school divisions. That's excellent. And you're going to do... Phenomenal. I hope you so. The, the <laughs> I'll person, work at it anyway. <laughs> the person for the job, for sure. Um, just throughout, I mean, the story that you've shared as far as just your journey from when you were younger all the way through um, your experiences in school and as a teacher and an administrator, um, what do you think are the key ingredients for, um, for a teacher to be successful as a teacher? Yeah, sense? for sure. Um, well, number one, I talked to you about it. Uh, reflective if you aren't reflective and uh, and not questioning yourself but just always kind of um, uh, being reflective on a conversation had with a student or a lesson or any of those things um, you're gonna have a tough a tough goal all the way through if you just try to stay this the same course Uh, the other one is just open to risk and trying new things and um, and uh, changing up your teaching and such for for students and then the big key is that you have to be relational Mm -hmm. kids need to know you and they want to know that you know them it's it's a big deal and you're very good at that and you have a lot of success in your classroom because of that and yeah I think that's the that's the ticket and uh, you mentioned one teacher's name from John Paul I believe but any teachers that really stand out to you from your you as a student Mm -hmm. um, that you just really uh, admired as for being who they were the role they had in their in your life as a teacher for sure and you know who does Um, I can name a couple a few teachers and I'm gonna kind of give a a background on why I I say that is they were the most structured and there was no guessing game on on what they wanted and what they expected in their classroom and students that are struggling or have chaotic outside of school lives, we thrive with structure. So I have to say Shane Hosgood in grade six, uh, Loretta Hosgood in, uh, for all my senior high math. Um, uh, Mrs. Krismer was one. 
Uh, yeah, just those people who were, were what we would, what kids would say were strict, mm-hmm. but that's where I thrived in the ones that uh, there was just no, the, the high expectation and then the support to get there that they believed in you for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's excellent. Um, again, talking about your transition coming up, um, if you, uh, you know, had the lecture theater or the gym full of MBCHS students and you're about to transition to a new role, What's kind of the one message you want them to hear from you? Uh, probably what I say every day when I'm leaving the school or t- going on supervision, I always say be safe and, and um, be good to yourself. Like honestly, be good to yourself. We live in a fast paced, crazy atmosphere and um, obviously um, mental health is, is, um, is a big player in lots of things. And yeah, keep yourself safe and be good to yourself yeah. for sure. That's excellent. Uh, uh, who's who's your family now? Now that you're, uh... I am married today. Actually, 19 years wow. to Joel Bernier, high school right. sweethearts, and we have um, a 14-year-old Noah Bernier, and I guess, and 12-year-old Amelia, both MBCHS Vikings. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, and your new role doesn't involve a transition from the community. No, okay. um, no, I get to stay in the Balfords, which. Perfection. Uh, if I can pump the Balfords tires, uh, we choose to live here and yeah. we will live here for as long as we're allowed to choose to live here for sure. That's we love the Balfords. That's excellent. Okay, um, the question that I end off with with everybody, because uh, I do love it so much to be honest, um, is what do you want people to say about you at your funeral a hundred years from now? Yeah. Um, well, I get. I guess I should have thought about this question. Um, I guess that she was an advocate. She was an advocate where it was needed and she was always supportive and I've always been a very good listener and I'm not gonna give you advice because I've never been in your position, but I'll listen to you, And yeah. but definitely an advocate. That's excellent. Thank you so much, Carla. Yeah, thanks Appreciate for having that. me. Okay, we're not done yet. We got the espresso round. Okay. And uh, 10 quick questions and uh, just get the Next honest answer, first honest answer that comes to your mind. Um, So I know, uh, sometimes by the sound of uh, your walking, but I know that you enjoy the NBCHS cafeteria because you're walking by there. (laughs) My room is right next to it there, so that's why I know. Uh, What is your favorite item at the NBCHS cafeteria? Definitely the grilled cheese. Oh, really? (laughs) Okay. That's excellent. French onion soup is a close second, but the grilled cheese there is, is dynamite. That's awesome. What's the most memorable or favorite gift you've ever received? Um, ooh, that's a tough one. Probably, and this is very expensive, but it was just so shocking and surprising. Uh, a few years ago, my parents uh, sent my sisters and I on a girls' trip to Vegas, and we saw Britney Spears. Oh, <laughs> if you can believe it, awesome. and it, it wow. was just so shocking that I yeah. think that's probably the most memorable for sure. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah. If you were uh, if you were whisked back to high school as a high school student, yeah. but but you're still you right now with everything you know oh. and everything you, um, where would you get a, a part time job? Um. Oh, that's a good question, too. You know, um, 
I would probably do the same thing I did because um, I like change. So I was always a grocery clerk. I worked at okay. Sobeys when it first became Sobeys. It was uh, IGA back then. And then I worked at Super A in Battleford. And I just loved the different people that would come in. Yeah, yeah. I would probably do the exact same thing. That's awesome. Um, who was your celebrity crush growing up? Um, well, um, for short while probably new kids on the block oh, yeah. well, <laughs> that was my generation yeah no, <laughs> that's awesome uh i know you're a reader yeah uh, so what's the best book you've ever read best book hands down i've ever read is um lean in by sandra sandberg okay just so good yeah okay if you are a female and actually if you're a male um it would be um a good book for you to read but if you're a female and and uh, in leadership or in a, in, a, in a corporation, things like that, or business schools, whatever, yeah. great book. Okay, and so uh, does it deal with female leadership? Yeah, okay. yeah, and leaning in and making sure that you're there for each other and supporting yeah. and advocating instead of that, that cattiness or trying to get up. Sure. We, especially women, um, yeah. we need to still be each other's support so that we can keep moving up in the ranks. Yeah, it's a great book. That's awesome. Uh, what is your favorite decade? One that uh, you've experienced or one that you foresee yourself experiencing too? Mm. I would probably have to say probably the 90s. I loved high school, like really, really loved high school. If I could go back, I would go back to high school. I had a really good, um, it was just really good to me and I was a really good person. I was really good to others. So I just, yeah, I would do high school again. Okay, so how did you meet your husband? Uh, I was 13 and he was 15 because I still remember his mom driving him over to watch a movie and stuff. I heard that when you're 15 and someone tells you they love you, you're going to believe them. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know who said the words first, but uh, no, he had some friends over and a friend of ours took me and my girlfriend over and we met him and we started dating and yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, What was some wise advice that an adult gave you growing up? Um, honestly, the best advice, and I share this advice with others, and it comes back to that being reflective, is before you answer someone, before that becomes something that you pause and you think about, always carry around a bottle of water. And when someone asks you something or tells you something, take a sip of water. Wow. It literally is. It's really good advice that everyone should take. Okay, that's excellent. It makes you naturally pause. Yeah, you could almost do that uh, mentally if you didn't have water. And then eventually it becomes sort of a habit and you don't need the water, but yeah. Oh, that's excellent. Um, If you were a figurine sold at a store, Toys R Us or something like that, uh, what would be like the two or three accessories that come with your figurine. Oh, okay. Well, probably, so I've always been called a tomboy in high heels, so it would definitely be a set of high heels, a purse, and probably a book. Okay, yep. I remember there was a big deal about a hairbrush one time. Oh my gosh, I totally, my, I have thin hair, so I need to brush it often in the day, and someone took my brush, and the next day I walked in, and my mailbox must have had 30 combs and 15 brushes. <laughs> I think I was in the staff room when, I think it was Gary Ball. Was I, it? Because I still don't know to this day. I'm going to go public with that. Uh, I, that's what I think, and he'll probably deny it. Oh, I'm, sure. I'm going to have to talk to him. But uh, yeah, I, I think I witnessed some people stuffing your mailbox Oh. Full. Oh my gosh. And that was pretty new at the time. Yeah. Too, so. That's how I usually do some yeah. things around here. 
Uh, what is the number one item on your bucket list? Um, uh, probably more travel. Yeah. Okay. And and yep, probably more travel. Somewhere specific? No, uh, just travel, get okay. away, and yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, and who would you like to see as a guest on this podcast? Um, I've thought about this actually quite a few times because we have just a really rich uh, staff with lots of experiences and stuff. But I would have to say probably, because um, I know a bit of her story, would be Ange Whittleton. Okay. And um, also, I'd like to hear Carla Yarrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they would yeah. both be yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, well, thank you so much for being on, Carla. Um, I've said this to uh, other people, and so I, I uh, will say it in front of you instead of behind your back, <laughs> um, that you are somebody who is gifted in dealing with students. Like you have a gift of almost automatically having a bit of a connection point with students, yeah. and particularly students who are uh, maybe tougher to have those connections with. Um, you are, are gifted at working with them, leading them, dealing with them, um, keep keeping them moving forward. Um, you know, in times that I've been in the DLC and you've come in with students, I know that there's a connection that you have with them. Yeah. Even if they're upset in the moment at some consequence or something, uh, I know the respect they have for you and um, you just have a way of moving people forward in a really good way um, with that connection, with the respect they have for you. It's almost like a natural thing. Mm, and thank you. It, yeah. it is a gift that you have and you're going to absolutely crush this role that you have I hope uh, so. with the ministry and you're the person for the job so thank you for sharing your gift with NBCHS and yeah, looking awesome. forward to what's ahead for you uh, with the ministry. Awesome, thank thanks you. Jeremy. It's time to thank the amazing people who make NBCHS Over Coffee podcast possible. Producing, recording, technology, my friend Ryan Kabelski, the man. Podcast cover art, Miss Elizabeth Millard. Staff photographs, Mr. Mark Kachorik. And intro music, Madison Hemmerling. Catch him on Apple Music with his band, The Gladstone. Anyways, we're not here to talk yeah. about my problems. Yeah. We're here to talk about Carlos' problems. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um,